so so uh, crucial to our lives to take care of the body and to take care of the mind and we've been speaking about you know the nature of the body how it's you know it gets sick it ages it dies so we can take care of it up to a point and, uh, and part of the care is also letting go when it's the right time to let go um, and really really crucial is to take care of the, the heart and mind and what we do in our lives uh, is, is directed by the, the heart and mind and so when we're just operating from conditioning which you know, is a little bit arbitrary, what we've grown up in and, what's, uh, and maybe what our leanings are, then we're like, we become like slaves to the mind. We just, we just throw it, pushed around by it. Uh, and probably, I guess, you know, most people here know that already and have experienced it and, and uh, it's a <coughs> strong motivation to, to practice. To, to learn how to tame the mind and, and train the mind and develop the mind or heart. So in the Pali language there are these two words mano and chitta and mano refers more to the, the thinking mind or the intellectual mind, the rational reasoning mind which is the useful tool that we you know, use through our lives. And the Chitta is more like the, the heart mind, the intuitive mind, the, uh, the feeling mind, you could say, or the heart. So sometimes I might say mind when, I, when you would be more familiar with heart. So I try to remember to say heart. But it's kind of both. And in, in, in Asian cultures, when people speak about the mind, they, they often point to their heart. Or even say, I, I'm... I'm thinking, you know, or, or just, yeah, just it's a, it's a common thing to, to point to the heart. So, uh, cultivating of the cultivation of the heart is is key to this practice. And there's a a sutta where the the, uh, the Buddha is speaking to a a man who's you know who's a practitioner and he's very sick and he's close to death. And he's very, very stressed. He's very stressed out and frightened. And uh, I'm actually not quite sure if it's the Buddha or if it's a disciple of the Buddha. Uh, I think it's a disciple of the Buddha. He's, he's speaking to this man and he's saying, you know, what's, what's, what's happening? You know, are you ready for death? Are you afraid? And he's saying, no, I'm afraid. I'm afraid. And, and then um, this monk says to the guy, you know, you've, you've lived your life well, you've cultivated your mind, you've done good in your life. Not necessarily always, but you know, he's cultivated what is good. And so, when you die, you don't need to be afraid. And then he gives this simile of a, a pot. So like in, those, in the old days in India, um, oils and so on would be stored in a, in a clay pot with a lid that fits. So it gives this image of a, of a clay pot with ghee inside, which is like a, quite a kind of precious cooking and medicinal uh, oil. And that he says it's like that pot 
is thrown into the into a, a, a lake, and it hits the bottom on it hits a stone on the bottom of the lake, so it sinks. You know, when we die, it sinks down. It hits a stone on the bottom of the lake, and then the the pot breaks open and falls to the to the floor of the lake. That's like the body, and then the ghee is an oil. It rises to the surface of the water. So he says, you know, when we cultivate our heart and mind in that way, when the body dies, when it's time for the body to go back to the earth, if we've cultivated our hearts and minds, then, then that kind of rises up. Uh, it's not, it's not, um, that can't be destroyed through death, let's say, put it that way. And, and it's generally said that the, the, the chitta, what is cultivated here in the heart and mind, is what carries on when we die. So if it, whether or not you believe in rebirth, I don't know. But um, it's, the, it's the momentum of what's going on here in the, in the heart and mind is what, is what continues and the body's left behind. So, you know, it's both wholesome and unwholesome stuff carry through. And... Uh, but if there's, but it's not like you know we did something bad in the past and that's just with us forever, and we're going to go to hell. It, it doesn't work like that in the Buddhist way of understanding. But it's more like what we've cultivated, what we've put energy into, regardless of what we've done in the past, what we've what we've generated intentionally and cultivated. That's what that's what carries through. So it's very very important to to uh, take care of the heart and mind, the chitta. And uh, the classic, well, we can do that in many ways, uh, protecting it from doing harm. So if thoughts of harm arise, we, we, we restrain ourselves. That's really, that's wonderful. And, and not to go into the, uh, giving ourselves a hard time for having a harmful thought in the first place, but to appreciate that, okay, there's still some momentum for harmful thoughts to arise and we're, we're not following it. This is good. And um, and then actively cultivating what is wholesome, so generosity, patience, and then the, as we chanted this morning, the four Brahma Viharas, the four divine abidings is, is one of the ways of describing it, and that then they're called the divine abidings because when the, when the heart and the mind are when the when the heart mind opens to those qualities. It's beautiful, you know. It's expensive. It's peaceful. It's, it's, it's wholesome. There's not a really strong sense of self and other going on. It's nice, you know. It's, it's lovely. So, uh, really important to cultivate those qualities of the heart. And in America, because it's, um, the teachings have come here through different lineages in different countries. So from the Burmese tradition, the Tibetan tradition, the Zen tradition, the Thai tradition, I'm not sure what else. So it's come through, through many different lineages. We get these different um, practices around cultivating these qualities. And uh, like I said in the beginning when I introduced myself, I'm very interested in the early Buddhist teachings. Or what, what was the Buddha saying in the first place? And then we can see from there... You know, not that any of the other ways are wrong or bad, or, but I'd like to know, well, what was the Buddha pointing to? And then 
and then what happens next. So when you look at the Buddha's teaching on metta, or on all four Brahmaviharas, but let's start with metta, he points to, um, he, he doesn't use this framework of first having metta for myself, then having metta for somebody who's my friend, then having metta for a different person, then for an enemy. He doesn't use that framework at all, that's never mentioned. And that's like a later commentary that uh, um, a Buddhaghosa devised, and he was who uh, wrote the Visuddhimagga, the path of purification, which is used extensively in, in uh, Burma and I think also in Sri Lanka. So uh, the Buddha actually didn't speak like that at all, but he used the image of um, igniting the metta or generating metta in the heart center and letting it radiate out first in front of you, then to, to, the, to the side, then behind you, then to the other side, so it's radiating out in all directions, and then above and then below. So just that, so it's starting here, right in the center of your being, and then, and then radiating out for the benefit of all beings. And, and when we practice in that way, you know, there is the sense of, of me sitting here in this body, and in the center of that there's the, the radiance of the metta, so it's going through this body already, it's radiating through every cell in this body before it can come out any further. And uh, also there's this word of boundless, so the, uh, radiating <coughs> boundless over the entire world. And, and sometimes when we hear that we feel like, okay, I've got to, you know, I've got to kind of get out there. And uh, it can feel like really hard work. And sometimes we begin with a heart that's quite closed and, and fearful or hurt or angry. And then we're trying to get that heart to radiate boundless loving kindness for all beings. I mean, it's really hard work. <laughs> and I, I always feel it's a little uncompassionate, actually, to, to kind of try and force the heart to generate all of that. So um, in this, uh, this way that the Buddha is pointing to, he's, he's, um, he doesn't kind of give a very clear starting point, a start-up for the, for the quality of metta. So I think it's really good for each person to do that in their own way. So you may have learned different techniques, maybe a phrase or a, um, or a list of phrases, or that you may have a particular way that you get the metta generating. So you can start with that. And then, or it may be you just bring to mind something that, that makes your heart open. So uh, I know Ajahn Brahm likes the, the fluffy kittens and puppies <laughs> to get it going. <laughs> Maybe the fluffy geese. <laughs> so cute, those geese. Babies. Or, and some people say lizards. They, they find lizards really cute, you know, so just think of a little lizard. Whatever it is, that, that, or a baby, or, you know. For me, I lived on Ocean Beach, by Ocean Beach in San Francisco for a while. And the dogs, you know, they're just like these really happy dogs running around. It just opens my heart. Or a kid with an ice cream, you know. Yay. So, you know, whatever it is that gets your heart open, you can start with that. And then... And then it's just this experience of radiating. I, I imagine it like a lamp, like a like a just like a sort of a long lamp in the in the centre of my being that's 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 lit up, and uh, and the light is 
just what it is. So we're not trying to make it a certain way, but we're looking, what is it like? You know, is, it, is it bright and beaming and radiating out, or is it just this really soft glow? Just like a little glow with a little warmth that's just here. And it's just, just knowing it for what it is and, and keeping attention on that lamp, on that light. And, uh, and then in the, and then the, the, this word boundless. So we tend to think of boundless, it's like it's got to go on forever, you know. But another interpretation of boundless is not putting boundaries on. So, so you've got this lamp glowing here. And to begin with, just imagining that there's a, uh, like a, I like to think of it as a veil around it. So like something that's, that's keeping, it, keeping the light in here, around me. And then I just draw back that veil, gradually. And so the light can, is no longer bound, it's no longer held in. And it can radiate. And it might just be going just this far, and that's fine. And then as we, as we stay, keep putting our attention on that light to keep the attention on the, 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 the radiance at the heart center, often, you know, the, the attention itself, it's almost like fuel for the lamp and then it, it grows brighter, it grows brighter. So you can just let it radiate out as far as it wants. You know, it might be just touching the person next to you, it might be filling the room, it might be beaming out across the cosmos, you know, it's all good. There's no judgment. It's, it's, it's all perfect. And then we stay with that. We stay with that practice for a period of time. And uh, we'll, this morning, do uh, today we'll do a metta practice, but you can use this same practice with any of the Brahma Viharas, with compassion. Maybe what you get started, what you start it with, is a little different each time. So with metta, you know, fluffy geese, for example, whatever. And with karuna, you know, maybe um, some some situation or the way you feel compassion arising, you know, it touches your heart. Uh, mudita, I think the little kid with the ice cream is a good mudita one, but you, you find what you like. And upeka, upeka, with upeka it's more like just recognizing we're all in the same boat. You know, we're all we're all born. We will all experience sickness. We will all die. The world is, is constantly changing. Everything is changing. And when we know that, there's a, there's a sense of, it's like making the heart big enough to receive that truth. Because it is a truth, it's a dhamma, it's a reality. And when we're at odds with it, then we, we're inevitably going to create suffering. So, uh, so let's... Just sit for a little while and just to, to contact, come into contact with your heart center. Just recognizing how we can dwell in the head. The head will not nourish the heart. So we drop down from the thinking mind into the heart center. And if it's helpful, you can put your hand on your heart, finger. 
just noticing what you find here in the heart. Bring to mind something that brings a little light, a little joy, a little warmth to your heart. Something or someone. That brings a smile to your heart. And I don't know if it works for you, but for me, I like to also bring the breath in. So when I breathe in, it's like I'm, I'm bringing in, directly bringing in that intention to nourish the quality of metta. So that little lamp, for me, gets a little bit brighter with each in-breath. It doesn't matter how tiny a glimmer it might be. It's all good. And if you have a habitual um, relationship to meta practice of being in the head and being aversive, which some people do, see if you can drop down from the head into the heart. So we begin by doing the metta, practice generating metta.
And now I'd like you to imagine that there's a, a veil or a curtain that goes all around you in a circle. I like to think of it as the veil of the illusion between self and other. And from the front, we pull back that veil and we let that light of the lamp shine out a little further, or maybe a lot further, just naturally. We draw the veil aside. And then pulling it a little further around to the right side. So that the front and the right, the light is shining, unbounded. Keep putting it around behind you so that it's shining in three directions. Starting at the center of your body and shining out through each cell of your body and further. And you pull the last part of that veil all the way around so that the light can shine all around equally, touching and warming anything it comes into contact with, with the warmth and the light of metta. And let that same quality of radiance radiate out above you. And below you. So that you become like a little ball of radiant metta.
And just like the sun shines on all things equally, it doesn't ask, are you worthy or not worthy? Are you good enough or not good enough? Do I like you or <coughs> not like you? It just shines. It's the same with the metta. It's just radiating its light and warmth.
And as we let that quality generate and radiate, we let go of doing metta, and we find that we are being metta.
taking care of the the heart, the chitta, it needs, it requires our intention and attention. And I think it's it's really useful to just notice you know, how much how much attention do we give to you know aversive mind states, to um, doubt, to criticism, to what's wrong. So when we're giving attention to those qualities, then we're feeding them. And when we give attention to metta, karuna, mudita, upeka, then we're feeding them. So when we know that, we can begin to change the, the course of the river of the mind. And it can take time, you know. We have to keep working at it and keep remembering. So we just had a little taste of the metta practice and we'll do it a bit more today. Quite a bit more, hopefully. And, uh, and now we'll be moving into the next mode. So there'll be the Qigong one and group discussions and walking meditation. And also just to recognize that when we don't pay attention to metta, it, it goes away, you know, it's, it's conditioned. And so it's just, you know, just notice that over this next little while, maybe you forget about it and then other things are going on in the mind and then we come back to sit again and just see where, where is the mind, you know, where is the heart when you come back. Maybe that's just been flowing through the whole time or maybe it's the old habits have just come in and taken over. It's all okay, none of it's bad. It's just the important thing is to know it. And then the more we know it, the more we can cultivate what is um, beautiful and, and uh, freeing. We, we have a, a choice. But if we're not paying attention, we're, we're kind of choiceless. We're just thrown around by, by the habits. <laughs>